0: Welcome, everybody, to The Wild Heart. This is episode 25, and I've titled this one, Little Havana, Big Asset. I've always been intrigued with Cuba. I think maybe it's the mystery of it. We really don't know that much about it. I knew if I ever made it to the Miami area that I wanted to explore Little Havana, and I'm so grateful I did and for my experience. One of the first stores we wandered into was Casa del Tobacco and was greeted warmly by our guest tonight, who is also the manager. Welcome, JC, to the Wild Heart Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. So you are coming to us via phone from Little Havana, and we are in the Keys. So this is a call-in podcast tonight, which we do from time to time, but after I met you I really wanted to expand on our knowing one another and for you to share your story because your story really did move me and your knowledge of, of your culture in Little Havana was I felt needed to be shared. Um, not everybody has the, the ability or the pleasure to get to Little Havana. So maybe we can bring a little bit of that to them. Um, tell me your, your proper name, please.
1: Uh, my name is Juan Carlos Quiñones. Everybody calls me JC. Uh, I guess it's an acronym or a, or a nickname I got when I was about 11 years old.
0: Yeah, you know, I like it, JC. It's it's, But I do like the sound of how Juan Carlos rolls off the tongue as well. Um, so you. you are the, are you the manager of Casa, Delta, Casa del Tobacco?
1: General sales manager, yes, ma'am.
0: Okay, all right. So tell me or tell us when you started smoking cigars and let's just start with that. So I heard a little bit of this story, but I want you to share.
1: Well, I fell in love with the leaf when I was eight years old. I was one of 18 grandkids. Um, and my grandfather uh, used to come home after he worked on the hash Refinery. And he used to light up a triple Maduro. Uh, cigar and sit down with a shot of rum on the balcony. I was the quietest, believe it or not, of the 18 grandkids and I was the only one who was allowed to see the old man smoke. Uh, and in the smoke, I would see, as a child, uh, castles and gargoyles and unicorns and I fell in love with it. Yeah. At the age, at the age of 12, um, living in Little Havana, I would sneak away from home and I would go down to a local restaurant that would sell these um, sweet tip, very cheap cigars for 25 cents. And I would actually buy two. Back then, if you were known around the neighborhood and then knew your parents, they wouldn't mind selling you a a tobacco product. And I would buy two cigars, uh, Cuban colada, which is an espresso, but Cuban style. Uh, some people call it Cuban crock because it's so good. Uh, <laughs> and I would, I would get a, a Spanish newspaper, and I would sit with the older gentlemen, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, and I would pretend to read the newspaper, How and um, i smoke the cigar. Uh, they would then go, there was a phone booth, like the one that Superman uses, Yeah. Um, and they would they would put in a dime, and actually, they would drop dime and call my mom, and say Isabel, or her nickname was Pupusa, and they would tell her, hey, uh, Juan Carlos is over here smoking with us. <laughs> I, I, I would then go home Reeking of cigar smoke And um, my mom would tell me um, uh, She used to call me Bebe She would go Bebe uh, You smell like cigar smoke And i said, say oh I was at grandpa's house And she'd go oh okay uh-huh. um, uh, un- Unfortunately You know uh, I only had my mom Until I was 15 years of age But uh, right about six months before she passed away She called me to the side I guess she had uh, an epiphany um, and she said, listen, all this time that you're saying you're smoking with your grandfather, I know what you're actually doing. Um, I'm now 51. I have six children of two prior marriages. I'm on my way to be a grandfather for the fourth time.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and I now smoke cigars five times a day. Uh, it is something that is, uh, I guess the, the easiest way for me to explain is it's in my DNA. It is something that transports me to my childhood, yeah. to being with my grandparents, my mom, my heritage, uh, and I'm very passionate about it.
0: Yeah, it it is. I can see that in you. It's a link to who you are and where you come from, right? Um, and I do understand where you said you, you find things in the smoke. Um, we did. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm very into the mystic side of things. And I enjoy looking at the clouds and see what I can find and, and looking at tea leaves and seeing what I can find. So, um, Doug and I did a photo shoot with you um, and your lovely ladies that work in there. And um, in the photo shoot, I was looking at the smoke uh, in the photos to see what I could pick out of that. So I could see as a child where that would be intriguing and mysterious for you. Um, but, you know, I you you said something when we were there that day that although uh, a little bit humorous, it, it, it was incredibly true, was you said you're, I heard you doing a tour, people come through your store, and you said your first cigar experience is how you're going to judge cigars. And or yeah. it was something to that effect. And me, even though I'm intrigued with the whole the whole thing, um, I had never smoked a cigar. So you were my first cigar experience. And you taught me a lot about how to smoke the cigar and how to let the the flavor resonate with your palate. And all of that, so I I really enjoyed my experience. Uh, it, oh,
1: yeah. It, yeah, I thank you for I thank you for stopping, in, and I'm very glad that it was a pleasant experience. And I hope that every other cigar that you smoke uh, brings you back here. Um, it, it will.
0: It, it totally will. Doug and I both had the best time. It was, um, you know, just that whole that whole atmosphere down there. Is, is something I wish people would be so much more open to going into. Anytime you go and have the opportunity to explore a different culture and to engross yourself in it somewhat, I, I just really feel we should um, and, and try to talk to people like yourself and get an understanding. Um, so tell us, like, with the cigar trade itself, you know, we all know everybody talks about wanting to smoke a Cuban, but, but how is that um, ingrained in the culture? How is tobacco really um, a binding force in the Cuban community?
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's somewhat of a long story, but it's very simple. Um, uh, to all of your listeners or viewers um, uh, that have grown up in the United States uh, and have gone to school here, we've all heard that old rhyme that they used to tell us in 1492, Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue. It was at that time um, between the island of San Salvador and Cuba that the admiral uh, observed natives smoking a dry leaf in a dugout canoe and exhaling him, exhaling them uh, the smoke through a apparatus in their nose. That was the first uh, contact, written contact between the old world. And the new world with tobacco, it cost the Spaniards theory because one of their captains from one of the galleons actually took it back to the old world, took it to Spain and smoked it in front of his in-laws and he was summarily arrested and then later on executed because they believed he was possessed because mm. of the smoke and the odor. Um, from that point on, on, on the written word, uh, tobacco has been the cause of wars Peace treaties have been signed over it. Uh, Skyscrapers have been built on a great cigar and a handshake. Um, uh, Millions of dollars in diamonds have been exchanged over a great cigar and a handshake. Um, Weddings, bar mitzvahs, funerals, celebrations. And Cuba has always had pride in its product because Cuba has been blessed with the trifecta. First and foremost, it sits on the longitude and latitude of the Tropic of Cancer, which gives, it, which gives it the best climate in the world for growing tobacco, and the soil itself is volcanic and minerally, but not high on pH. That being said, there are other great growing regions. Um, I had the pleasure of working for Christian Iroa, uh at CLE Cigars many years ago, and I had the opportunity to visit the farms in Honduras. Uh, His father Julio um, still grows and he himself in the old Cuban fashion. Um, It is a great operation. Uh, Everything is I mean, other than the fact that they are one of only a few certified uh, pesticide and organic free um, growers in the world. Sorry, the rooster behind. Me. I love uh,
0: it. I love it. That's they
1: okay. Think, think <laughs> you think it's five o'clock in the morning instead of five o'clock in the afternoon. That's
0: okay. Uh,
1: uh, and um, they make a great product. So does Nicaragua in the region of Esteli and the Dominican Republic. Um, they grow great tobacco in Santiago. These are places that we harvest and we get our needs from here. Um, okay, but they're all but they're all Cuban seed. Yeah. Now, a lot of people. A lot of people go Cuban seed. What does that mean? These are seeds that were imported either pre or post revolution and they're grown in these regions. The one thing you're not going to get is that unique one in a lifetime. taste that you get out of the Cuban tobacco. It's like drinking a great Merlot that, um, the grapes are grown in Australia and getting one from the French, um, wine growing region. Right. The French one is going to be, you're going to be able to sell it from any other in the world. And that is the allure of the Cuban cigar. Uh, the Cuban cigar has been present for presidents and dignitaries all over the world for hundreds of years. Um, it is, uh, almost a religious, right. For some people that it's on their bucket list. Yeah. Uh, they
0: don't want,
1: they don't want to go to Spain. They don't want to go to France. They don't want to go to Russia. They want to smoke a great Cuban cigar. Uh, and at least here in cafe Taco we provide them with the closest thing north of Havana that is uh, as great if not on par with a Cuban cigar but again, that is a once in a lifetime opportunity which I would encourage your your listeners to go and experience or experience it with us.
0: Have you had a Cuban cigar? many times have you many
1: times uh, I've yeah. had the privilege of of going back to my mother's land um, four times in my lifetime. I was born in the United States. Uh, My mother was exiled from Cuba in 1967, and she was um, branded a persona non grata for her counter-revolutionary activity, and she never got to go back. Uh, She spent the last 18 years of her life um, in a foreign land, um, trying to speak a foreign language, trying to raise a child, on foreign um, customs, but maintaining his Cuban heritage. Um, Didn't get to bury her mom or her dad or any of her 15 siblings because she was never able to go back. Um, So I am a product uh, of Cuba. Um, I love it dearly. Um, I wish things were better and different, Um, but it's near and dear to me. And my six children, Um, my youngest one who's eight years old. Is learning how to roll cigars as we speak.
0: <laughs> That's great. That's great. So you told me uh, you were mentioning your mother and and she when she came here and and you know the the journey she took to get here, but also what she had to give up to live here. Um, but you also mentioned to me when we met before how you always had different people in your life that she welcomed. Um, that that kind of camped out with you guys as you were growing up. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes. In in 1980, um, late um, 80s, early 81, when the Mario Boatlift came over and uh, maybe some of your listeners had seen Scarface and they'd seen the Tent City um, at the beginning of the film, that is true. That is almost dead accurate. Um, It was right down the street from where I'm at, maybe a quarter of a mile. They were under an expressway. And, um, they were brought in, uh, a lot of Cubans that had already assimilated, um, uh, the American way when the Cuban picked them up and brought them over. Uh, and they were there in, in, in 10 cities, just like they were in Fort Chaffee in Arkansas and in New Jersey. And my mother went there and got 18 or more of them and said, uh, I'm going to sign them out under my name. And they lived in my house. They lived in my living room in my bedroom, um, in the dining room, um, These were people that came from nothing. At that time in Cuba, you could own a million rubles, but yet you couldn't buy toilet paper because the inflation was so high. Um, They kept me grounded in what the Cuban ways of doing things were. My breakfast, uh, the way I dressed, how I presented myself to my elders, uh, how to be a gentleman, uh, how not to walk around the street without a shirt, uh, how to always be pressed and look proper. Um, uh, and use the, the, the proper, uh, language when speaking to a young lady or, or a gentleman who was 80 or 90 years old. Um, so it was, uh, almost an endocentricity of this community, uh, which was built, and I have to go a little bit back, and I'm sorry, um, in the late 50s when the, when, when, when the revolution was coming about, that a lot of the affluent and well to do Cubans knew what was coming that they came over to what is now Little Havana. Back then it was Miami. As it was pronounced, it was an affluent or Mm -hmm. um, mid-income white neighborhood. Uh, They couldn't rent out here because the for rent signs would say no blacks, no Jews, no Cubans, no dogs. And these were doctors, uh, lawyers, architects, engineers, professionals, that ended up working as dishwashers, as grocery baggers, uh paying home doing carpentry work while they went to local community colleges and transcribed their credits and later became doctors here in the united states and lawyers and engineers and architects and business owners and restaurant owners and they then came back into this neighborhood started buying out the property and renting to cubans um so now if you look at little havana although it says little havana it's a hotspot it's a jambalaya of different cultures. We have Nicaraguans, Hondurans. And, uh, we have uh, Ecuadorians. Uh, we have Cubans, we have Puerto Ricans, we have African Americans, we have non Hispanic whites. Um, this is truly this community and I say this with a lot of pride. Um, is truly the American dream. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Because the Cuban community came here, worked their ass off. Um, it may we, we may not see a white picket fence in every corner but they achieved the American dream. They raised their children here. They went to college here. They became professionals. Um, If you study a little bit, the president of Coca-Cola was Cuban American, Barnett bank, Cuban, Um, Republic national bank, Cuban. Um, And those are some of the most well-known brands in the United States, if not the world. So the Cuban, the, the, the Cuban, um, I want to say their, their, their footprint is indelible in, in, in what is South Florida. And then it went up, you know, to New Jersey, um, Tampa area. Uh, and, uh, it, 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 I'm very proud. I'm very proud. All six of my children speak Spanish. Um, all six of my children, all ranging from the age of 32 to eight, at some point have either lit a cigar or drank Cuban coffee starting at the age of four months. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, um, in, in, in my household, um, all through my two marriages, it was very simple. You learn English at home. I mean, you learn English at school. You speak Spanish at home. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of what the Cuban community has done because they could have very easily alienated those that alienated them, sure. but they have been ever so welcoming to everyone. And that same behavior... You find it in Cuba nowadays. Very poor. It's almost third world country. But you go there and they treat you like kings and queens. Everyone has a smile on their face. Um, and they live day to day. Um, they don't have the worries that we do, that we pay mortgage now on the first. And we're already saving money to pay, to pay the next mortgage payment. Right. They live day to day a very joyous, happy, um, welcoming, um, almost to a fault. Um, community, and, and that is that has been it's transcended, and it's here in Little Havana, and you'll see it in the faces of those that work here, because this is still a very blue-collar community.
0: You do see it. You know, that was one thing that Doug and I took away from it was everywhere we went in when we were in Little Havana, everyone was so welcoming and smiling and friendly and warm. I mean, you couldn't not feel good about it you know and um, it, w- it was it's one of those things I think for me you know it's not that I've had the perfect life I haven't I've had my own issues growing up but I am a a, a white girl who hasn't had to deal with a lot of struggle as far as opportunities or you know um, worrying about a lot of the things that people who come f- to this country, in in the, the a generation or two, you know, just below them that we don't understand. We we're, we're far removed from our struggle, so to speak. So when you see this exuberance in these communities, and and you know that they're their parents probably struggled a great deal and and there's it's just so rich in history and and story and i really that's that's what i want people to understand like go into these communities and listen and 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 have a heart for the love that they have for their homeland and and the culture that they bring to us you know in this country um, you know, for me with Cuba, I, there's so many things I think of. you know, when you mentioned having your shirt pressed, you know i I think of the gentlemen and the the beautiful Cuban shirts and the women and the dresses and the hats and and the cars and the cigars, and you know, it has an image um of of prosperity, although we know that there is there's there's a struggle involved with that that a lot of us can't understand you know Um, i think i think that
1: i apologize
0: no it's okay i
1: i i I think what people don't take away what they don't see is like um aleda francisco is the owner of the business She's been a roller for 27 years. She started here about seven years ago, and she's built up this business from nothing. Um, yet, she not only like every other Cuban here, not only sends for her family here, but for her family in Cuba. Um, okay. It's that you can send, like my rollers, Yamika um, Torres has 24 years rolling. Um, William Palacios has had 32 years rolling. They're master rollers. Susie has 31 years rolling. Um, Jillian, um, which is one of our administrators, has over 10 years in this business. Um, they provide for their families in Cuba. Yamika um, used to make $12, $16 a month rolling cigars in Cuba. Um, and it's one of the most sought-after jobs. In cuba wow. because it's actually roll at home and when you have a tourist going to Havana and you sell them a cigar out of your home you're saying well that's not a real cuban no it is it's cuban leaf cuban seed grown in cuba rolled by a cuban it just doesn't have a name brand on it but that's a real cuban cigar right so she might be able to make an extra 100 bucks a month and you go wow 100 bucks a month you know how do you live on that well, go figure that a doctor, a gynecologist, a pediatrician, a neurologist in Cuba averages $26 a month. That's crazy. So, so when people, hardworking people like that here, send to their families in Cuba $100, $150 a month, you are making five times what a professional does in Cuba. They can actually go out and buy goods. They can buy sugar. They can buy coffee. They can buy bottled water. They can buy a piece of steak. Um, they can buy pork. They can buy chicken if it's on the market. Um, and when I say steak, I laugh because I have had the displeasure of meeting um, elders here that have just come from Cuba after 50 years of living on the island that had never tried beef in their life. All they ate was pork and chicken. And you give them a piece of steak and they get sick because oh, wow. they've never tried it. Right and and you look at that and yet we are so spoiled that if we don't have a piece of steak on our plate, we get upset or if we don't have a hamburger once a week and yet they make do with the smallest of things and again, are happy at it. So when these rollers that we treat with the utmost respect uh, are able to provide for two families the ones that they have here and the one that they have 90 miles away it's a great source of joy for us here
0: yeah It must be kind of a strange feeling that to know you have family only ninety miles away, and yet it's a world away. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's
1: heartbreaking. It really is. Imagine, you know, you're only hell. You're right now. You're maybe you're you might be eighty miles away from me where you're at right now. Right. Imagine that you couldn't get in your car and come see me. Yeah. And that and that you don't have the the ability to send me an air conditioner or, or, or a TV or even a, an electronic razor because you just can't. Yeah, it, it, It's not viable.
0: Mm, yeah. I just, you know, I really wish everybody would like take into account such, put themselves in someone else's shoes for a while and kind of chew on that for a second before you start making all these judgments about people because some of us just really um don't have a clue to be honest with you um do you th- do you foresee uh, any change coming in the near future i know i you know i i don't know what's going on down there
1: <laughs> um i i want to say yes and um i uh until these politicians get their head out their ass and realize that we're all people that we all deserve the same things. Um, I just don't see how somebody on uh, in Congress or the Senate who's making seven hundred thousand dollars a year or more, just on a salary and making three million dollars off a book deal, oh. can pass judgment on a on a country that's basically dying. Um, mm. uh, and then just sit there and criticize it. It's just it it, it really just befuddles me to the point that it. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I Kathy, I would love to tell you that in five years things will be different, but we've been waiting for sixty years on this change. Yeah. 60. Yet um, uh, Cuba is still the forbidden fruit. Um, I have tons of customers that come and tell me and I sit down with them for hours and they might just buy one cigar or, no, or not buy any of all at all. And and when I tell them the situation, they're like, that's impossible. And, and and it's hard to grasp because you're 90 miles away. Yeah, You are 90 miles away. I mean, you know, we have open relations with Vietnam. We have open relations with Russia, with China, yet we won't, um, I, I guess, bend over backwards just a little bit for, for, a, for a country that has given so much because, um, Cuba and America is this. We're so intertwined for 200 years. We are so intertwined. Um, and uh, some of the customs that, that you see here, the Creole cooking, the spices, the, the tobacco, the rum, the sugar cane, the coffee, um, it's all part of Cuba. It's, it, it's something that is wondrous and, and mystical and religious and so simple it's it's it, uh,
0: rich i mean it, it, the oh. the the things that come from it have a richness to it you know, uh, the, the cigars have a richness to them. The coffee has this, the, the, it has texture and richness to it. It brings pleasure. We enjoy the pleasures, right? We enjoy what what we get from it. We're just not returning the favor, so to speak.
1: Exactly. And, you know, uh, I, and, I, and I told you this while you were here, tobacco leaf in and of itself is like a woman. It's, it's very unforgiving but it's because if you treat it right, it gives you all the richness of the soil, the, the vegado, which is the grower, the tenderness it has put into it, the hard work, the sweat, the tears. Um, but if you mistreat it, if, if you don't grow it right, if you don't appreciate it, it can be very fickle and it has a long memory. Um, so for me, it's, it's a living, breathing um, uh, animal in and of itself. Um, I kid a a lot of people Because tobacco technically is a vegetable And I tell people I'm technically a vegetarian Because I smoke five (laughs) cigars a day And uh, my cardiologist Doesn't like that joke too much But he enjoys it Especially when I bring him a good One of these Maduros that we have here Um, And uh, It's You know tobacco in and of itself Has been around for thousands of years It's been used as trade It's been used for religious purposes uh, it is, you know, the, 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 the Aztecs use it, the Incans used it. Um, it is something that it is, it's America. It really is. Um, it's a, it's most, a
0: binding force for a lot yes. of, a lot of things. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the milder re- leaves is a Connecticut um, shade grown. So all of a sudden it goes Connecticut. And yes, it's grown in every region that you grow tobacco. Um, and but it's a Connecticut shaped grown, so it has an American name to it. There is no other Connecticut in the world except Connecticut. Right.
0: Um,
1: uh, so here you go. That 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 intertwining lace that that um, that uh, w- what is it? Uh, that hairstyle? That braid? Yeah. That that has us connected. Right. Uh, and it's it's a beautiful thing, and and the history of tobacco is is so long and rich and uh, you know the first tobacco um, that was smoked in a cigar by somebody is usually a celebratory one um, somebody gave it to you as a wedding, you did it as a celebration uh, a birthday and in your darkest moments you go reach for a cigar not because of anything other that it transcends time and space and takes you back to that um, to that time that you enjoyed that first cigar like I was telling you with Christian Iroha and his family Doña Elena, um, I still remember the first um, Corojo cigar that I smoked on their farm um, in Honduras uh, and I've smoked thousands afterwards the joy of being in the fields of seeing the market of seeing the love and the passion um, is something that is irreplaceable when my children were born um, when I unfortunately had to bury my father four years ago um, I had a cigar in my hand it takes me back to my grandfather, who um, would pay me 25 cents to polish his shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's that. It's, it's, it's a living, breathing thing. Um, yeah. it is, it's wondrous. It really is.
0: It's sort of a, a, a sacred tool. It's a connection to the things that bring you comfort and joy. Um, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful analogy. I really like that. Now, tell me about the coffee, because the coffee is pretty freaking fabulous too.
1: Well, I'll give you a little secret. A lot of people say that it's stronger than American coffee, and it's not. It's actually weaker in caffeine because it's double roasted. American coffee is only roasted once, but it is so concentrated. So sugary, so sweet that it gives it. Uh, and and I do apologize for what I'm going to say. I've never been politically correct.
0: That's okay. But there's
1: a there's a thing that the Spaniards, the Galicians would say that coffee, especially Cuban coffee, is the black nectar of the white god. So Ooh. I don't know how much I don't know if you can get any more racist than that. But it is it is um, the
0: black is nectar of the white god. The white
1: god, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. I like that.
1: Okay. Uh, it is something um, you start giving little drips. You would, you know, like my, my children. I would dip my finger in the in the Cuban coffee yeah. and put it in their mouth when they were thirty four months old. Um, my youngest one, um, Ray, uh, we call him Yaya, which is a uh, a Creole world, a Creole world word for Cuban word for fire. Um, in the morning, when he gets on virtual school. He'll tell his teacher, um, "Excusing me, Mr. Rivas, my dad is making Cuban coffee for me," and she'll just laugh. And <laughs> you know, she sends text messages, and she goes, "Now I know why your son is wired all the time." <laughs> um, uh, and it it goes hand in hand with a great Cuban cigar. It really does. Uh, like right now, I'm sitting in the backyard of our shop, and I got the roosters going around, and I got a cup of coffee, I've got a shot of rum, and I've got my Seventy by seven cigar, <laughs> and I'm a Maduro wrapper, and I'm enjoying it as much as speaking to you and Doug, because that's just—it's Cuba for me. It's—it's I—I it's, I right now I'm not in Little Havana, I am in Havana, outside a yard, enjoying it with my family.
0: That's great, and the roosters. So Doug and I went to Key West this weekend. And uh, the roosters are everywhere, as they are in Little Havana. And where you know where we're from, roosters are on a farm, <laughs> chickens are on a farm. They're not out roaming around like cats and stuff. So, where did where did the roosters come from? And and y- 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 why are they everywhere?
1: Well, deep down inside, we're country folk. So we're very simple. We're the equivalent of American rednecks. Um, we they're pets they they grow around the house or so you grow you buy a couple of chicks, you raise them. Um, they're not used for food they're they're you know our alarm clocks. they let us know when it's uh sunrise and sunset. Um, uh, they they come to us they they guard our homes uh, they're part of the family. we name them.
0: But you know, it's great. Uh, I mean, I thought it was awesome. It's just, you know, if you're not used to that, you're you're like, what's with all the chickens and roosters running around? But it's really kind of cool, um, you know, because we saw some down in Key West, we saw some beautiful roosters, you know, just kind of plucking around, you know, strutting around. And we're like, well, check that out. And now I understand yeah. why they're on the T-shirts and, you know. All that sort of thing, um,
1: and, and God, God forbid we catch you mistreating one of those roosters, because <laughs> you'll have you'll have World War Three on your hands.
0: I believe it, and they were everywhere. It was, it was, it was neat. It was really cool. So I guess for other things in the Cuban culture that people might be interested in is uh, we we we've, we've gone over the coffee and and the tobacco, which you know we could talk about the tobacco forever. Um, there is, there's, there's the tradition of, you said bourbon there also.
1: I'm I'm sorry. there was an airplane going over.
0: That's okay. Did you say bourbon? You guys like a good bourbon? Um, Rum. 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 Nice.
1: Nice. Remember, um, well, not remember. I'm sorry. Um, I apologize for that. We, uh, for many years, Cuba was a staple for sugar cane. Um, after the Haitians freed themselves from the French, the French colonists that had sugar plantations moved to Cuba and they brought their slave labor with, with them. Um rum, the main ingredient is sugarcane molasses. Okay. And for many, many years, um, because of proprietary names, I can't say their names, some of the greatest um rum makers were in Cuba. So we had a tradition of rum that goes back another two hundred years. Some of the best rums in the world come from Cuba. Um, and these, I can say, Havana Club, um, Santiago. Uh, those are rums that are sought after. Havana uh, Reserva, which is about a a twelve year old rum, a bottle will run you seventy dollars in Cuba. Seventy dollars in Cuba. Where here, if you're able to get your hands on it, it'll run you two hundred and fifty bucks. Wow! Um, ooh, delicious. Um, it is. It is something to be enjoyed. Uh, Ernest Hemingway um, used to love to go to La well, Guaulida Mayo and drink his daiquiris with Cuban white rum thirty years or less age. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, and I'm sorry. Um, the writer of Huckleberry Finn. Oh, Jesus. I
0: know who uh, you're talking about. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh. Uh,
1: used to love a great cigar. Uh-huh. Um, uh, he once was uh, and I'm misquoting here said uh, uh, a beautiful woman might be a beautiful woman but a great cigar is a great cigar um uh, Winston Churchill with his with his whiskey with his single barrel whiskey would enjoy uh, a cigar and also a stiff drink of rum along with it um and uh going back to the to the cigar he said that um enjoying a cigar should be like falling in love you're attracted by the look you stay for the taste And you never let the flame light out, um, (laughs) um, die out. So uh, again, um, the combination of the Cuban rum, the coffee, the 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 cigar is is the trifecta. Right.
0: Uh,
1: And then if you can get a good, nice, stiff, um, beautiful Creole meal with it, un arroz con pollo or una masita de puerco con con Congri and sweet plantains, um, you it's a delight. I would that I would, uh, that I would uh, invite all your listeners to please come down and enjoy at some point because it's a once in a lifetime opportunity.
0: Yeah, it all sounds so exotic. I guess you know with all that being native to the land that the flavors all just blend in together when you have all that like th- like they go hand in hand with one another, right mm hmm Cool. Well, you've definitely uh, made me want to try all of those things and try them all at once, right? All together. Yes. Give it give yes. it the full Monty. Go for it.
1: Well, next time you guys are around, which I hope is soon, lunch or dinner's on me. And we're going to have a good mojito. And I'm going to treat you uh, to some nice homemade Cuban meal. You're more than welcome to come to my house. I don't have any roosters, but I do have a beautiful mango tree, uh, beautiful shade. Uh, and I'll have my son roll you a cigar.
0: That's how, we'll take you up on it. We'll be up there probably in a few months before you know it. And and Mark Twain is who we were thinking of. That yes. wrote Huckleberry. Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he looks and, like um, a
0: cigar smoker, doesn't he? Yeah.
1: Yes. And, if you, and he used to purchase some of his cigars from Tampa, which was uh, really the cigar capital in Florida before Miami did it. And Ybor City in Tampa still has some of the buildings from the late 1800s um that are still there um if ever you have the chance please go visit them um they're beautiful exotic places um we um we we really are trying to hold on to a dying tradition. um as you saw when you came here everything is done by hand we have no machinery it's it's beautiful to
0: watch it really is i mean it's it's a craft for sure
1: yeah they're definitely artisans Um, it is, uh, 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 the process is, at least in Cuba, you go to school for nine months, you become a roller. They dictate where you're going to go work at. If you keep a very high, um, 97% passing rate for five years or more, you become a master roller, which means you can roll any size, girth, shape. Um, and then you specialize yourself in it. Our our owner is, um, one of the few who is actually a sommelier. And she was um, um, certified. She's gone around the world on cigar tasting. Um, And and she really is a a wealth of knowledge. I wish she was here. But right now, she's in Tampa um, getting um, some of the leaves that we had pre-ordered and we need for a special order that we're doing.
0: Yeah, well, maybe we can meet her next time we're there.
1: Most definitely. That would
0: be awesome. So uh, one of the last things I want to kind of ask you about is we see, uh, when we see pictures of, of Cuba, we see all these beautiful classic old cars. What's that about? Well,
1: when, when um, I want to say the Castro regime, but when the, when that government um, uh, basically took over and took away all the properties, GM, Buick, Chevy could no longer import parts to Cuba for those cars. So, those cars were very well kept. As a matter of fact, um, uh, General Motors used to send out some of their first models to Cuba, just like RCA TV and the TVs and air conditioners and refrigerators from Frigidaire before they were actually released in the United States. So, there was a lot of pride in those cars. Um, you said you went to Cuba over the weekend. Um, I, if you go again, I would encourage you to open the hood of one of those cars, classic cars with Soviet-made carburetors from Ladas and Mo- and and Peugeots, because the parts aren't available. So they kept these cars. Um, if anything, Cubans are very innovative, um, and those are their pride and joy. Uh, you will always see a Cuban with a at least in Cuba, beside his or her vehicle, with a washcloth, and if it drizzles, they're immediately buffing it off. Um, it is a source of pride. Sure. Um, they have competitions yearly, three and four times a year, in, um, in, in Havana, in Old Havana, and you bring out your vehicle, and they look for the ones that are the most um, original, and you get that, you get to wear that that badge of honor till the next year. And you're already looking to better itself. Uh, it's uh, it's a you know you're, you're rolling down the street on a 57 Chevy down um, Malecon on a sunny day in Cuba. Your top is down. You've got your Panama hat on and your guayabera, and you've got the sea breeze hitting you. You've got a cigar in your hand, and you're just enjoying God's country. Which is there's no there's no other way to describe it. And you look at the architecture that has been there since the, some of those buildings have been there since colonial times oh. and hundreds of hurricanes have gone by and haven't deteriorated them or knocked them down. Um, and those cars are, uh, they're almost part of the family. They're passed on from generation to generation and whoever gets it gets picked out to have that car. It's not just because I'm the firstborn; I get the car. Right. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. You got to so show great love and and great mechanical knowledge to have it,
0: as it should be. So, if you uh, could give, if you could say something to your listening audience about the Cuban culture and and the and what they bring to us and and how they enrich our country, just briefly, what would you have to say for us?
1: We have more in common than you think. Um, we're very proud, hard workers. We love America. We always have, always will. You are part of us as we are of you. Um, don't be a stranger. Um, if you have questions, call the Cuban up. Um, we uh, we enjoy speaking. As a matter of fact, we talk too much sometimes. Um <laughs> Uh, we are very simple. Uh, we're not a Rubik's Cube. Um, and, um, we want to share what we have our love for baseball, uh, our love for boxing, um, our heritage, our culture. We are an open country that unfortunately has a lock on it. Um, help us remove it. Yeah. Let us be, let us be that brother and sister in arms. Yeah. Um, we have fought wars together um, On the same side And we'll continue to do so uh, uh, When in, Hava- in Little Havana Please feel free to come by and visit us um, We're right in the heart of Little Havana Come back I'll introduce you to some of our roosters um, <laughs> and, and, and we'll just sit back here and, 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 and shoot the breeze And have a great fucking time Bottom yeah. line
0: Sounds you awesome know? Well I'm going to tell you it was a great pleasure to run across you and for you to just share with us what you have and I pray for for you and your homeland and you know for all of them that all of those people that are working so hard and and that find the joy in life you know that a lot of us you know we just need to be more appreciative of what we have because there's a lot of people out there that are doing making do with a lot less
1: You know, Aleda and I and our staff are more than thankful for you giving us this opportunity to um, promote, export our culture and and what we have to give. And don't let it be one-sided. Come on down and teach us something that we don't know. Uh, We're always willing to learn, always willing to fit in into that American dream and, and make it better for everyone.
0: Well, we we will do that. We're going to come back and see for sure. We're going to be back that way. We're going to spend some time here in the Keys and enjoy this sort of island life for a little bit. But uh, we're going to make our way back up that way. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending this time with us and and enlightening us a little bit. Um, You know, a lot of us just walk around in our own world all the time and really don't give a lot of thought you know, to other cultures, and, and we need to be more mindful. Like you said, ask questions, you know, get to know people, spend some time there. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. And um, we will be getting this out here pretty quickly. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it.
1: You're very welcome. And may the great Architect of the universe bless you, your family, your listeners. And, um, you know, once again, thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you same to you have a great Uh, evening you too Bye. bye bye